Thank you, Don and Heather. Good morning. Last week, I saw something on Facebook that caught my attention. It was a post from a parent who had a relationship with my Bible college, Florida Bible College. I want to share a bit of that with you. This parent writes, Homer Cano was mentally challenged. He graduated from high school on the special ed program. When Homer was in high school, he came out to Christian Youth Ranch in Far, Texas. There, he heard the clear gospel message that he could know for sure he was going to heaven by trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross. Even though he could never even do elementary math, he was able to understand the simple gospel. Homer was always inviting others to come to ranch so they could hear the gospel. He invited football players and cheerleaders and everyone he met. This parent says, I remember him coming to prayer meeting and asking for prayer for a girl named Nora to come to ranch. He prayed week after week after week. I started to doubt there really was a Nora. (laughs) After all, he was mentally challenged. I think it was about a year later that Nora showed up to ranch. She said she got tired of Homer asking her. (laughs) So she decided to see what ranch was all about. That evening, Nora trusted Christ as her Savior. It wasn't long after that that Nora's sister and brother and parents all came to know the Lord. Then her nieces and nephews came to know the Lord. One of those nieces came to Grace Christian School. She graduated as the valedictorian and went on to Frontier School of the Bible to be trained in the Word of God and ministry. Then she graduated from Frontier and married her high school sweetheart, my son, Robbie. Thank you, Homer, for your faithful prayers. Beautiful story. And yet, evangelism is the unwanted stepchild in many circles today. Those on the secular side have argued that it's unloving to share the gospel. It's unloving to tell people their sin separates them from God. He must be unloving. And unloving not to accept people the way they are. Unloving to, as they say, force others 
to hear our message about Jesus Christ. Is evangelism unloving? That's the question today. People who do not have an appreciation for the grace of God can challenge us with, we are more inclusive, meaning they. You are teaching things that exclude. We are tolerant. Implication, Christians are intolerant. You, Christians, make us feel bad. You are negative. What have you heard? I would imagine that if we put our ears to the ground, we would start to hear similar things. Jacob Ali, now a Presbyterian pastor and a fellow that focuses on apologetics, he shares, sometimes I get the question, shouldn't we just let people believe what they want to believe? Or put it another way, isn't evangelism unloving because you are trying to force people to leave their beliefs behind and accept yours? In this age of tolerance, as it is called, there is a growing notion that everyone ought to be able to believe whatever they want and that all beliefs are created equal. And to tell somebody that what they believe is wrong is unloving and, well, wrong. Of course, the contradiction is obvious. If it's wrong to tell other people that their beliefs are wrong, and I believe that others need to believe in Jesus as I do, why are you telling me my beliefs are wrong? Tolerance, after all, is not the idea that everyone's beliefs and ideas are equally true, but that even when we disagree, we allow people to continue in their beliefs without using any pressure tactics or threats to coerce them to change their state of view. To be certain, to insist, you see it my way or die, <laughs> or at least that there would be some sort of retaliation on my part, if you don't change your view, that would be unloving. The question is, is that what Christian evangelism is? And the answer is no. We are willing to listen to people and hear their point of view. We want an opportunity to be in the marketplace of ideas and to share our ideas with them, hoping to influence them. But put all thought of the inquisition and threat of harm if they don't see it our way, put all that out of our mind. That has nothing to do with Christian evangelism. After all, what did Jesus say? I mean, he even said, let's love our enemies. And love does no harm.
Let's define evangelism. Christian evangelism, done by biblical methods, is a, what? Loving act. Seeking to persuade through reason, evidence, and scripture the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we practice tolerance in the classical sense that we can have frank and honest conversation and we can meet with people who disagree with us and we accept them as people even if we don't accept what they hold as true. And we seek to show them that Christianity is true and has a tremendous impact on the hearts and lives of people. After all, no one is born a Christian. We enter this world separated from God as if we're honest. As we look at our lives, we can see things that would point that out. We need to be reconciled to God, and that's the message that we have. Sometimes our efforts to persuade people towards Christ are seen as pushy or unloving, but the heart of our intentions is the good of those who we are seeking to win to the faith. Imagine with me for a moment if you were to see a man who is both blind and deaf standing on a railroad track. And there's a train coming. What would be the loving response on our part? He's unaware of the train. He has no idea of the danger he's in. A, would the right response on our part be to say, well, let's just let it happen. Or would it be to seek to help that individual and get him out of harm's way. I'm, I'm convinced that the second answer is the true one, to seek to get him out of harm's way. Now he might, not know, knowing who we are, he might see us as a threat and might resist. But still, we need to help that individual. I think that that is the morally right thing to do. And the same with Christian evangelism. We understand that all people, including us when we were born, are separate from God. And God wants to reconcile with them, but they need to seek, or they need to accept the message of Christ. Consider, you and I would not be here today if somebody had not shared the message with us. And we would not have the hope of heaven if someone or some people did not take an interest in our eternal destiny. Think about the dark state of people who don't have salvation. We were, and we were in this state at one time, we were by nature objects of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. 
We were dead in trespasses and sins. We once were in the domain of darkness. In fact, Scripture says that Satan was our father. Furthermore, Scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages or the result or payment of sin is death, separation from God. No one is righteous. No, not one. None of us can say, hey God, I'm, I'm a good person. We all have to recognize we all have fallen short. But God still loves us. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, consider the bright state of people who have come to faith in Christ. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Furthermore, the Bible says we are justified. That simply means to be declared righteous. It's not just a matter of our sins being taken away. More than that, we are declared righteous. Romans 3 says, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. And so, we are forgiven. That is so powerful. You know, some people experiencing things early on in life or later perhaps, they are so embarrassed that they feel shame throughout their lives. They never get away from that. And yet, the king of the universe eagerly offers forgiveness for all sin based on the shed blood of Christ. We are forgiven. Your debt has been paid in full. That's the meaning of it is finished. I got this from Patrick Foss's new book that's going to come out and be published very shortly. Patrick our brother over here has been working on that book for what? Three years? Fantastic. Patrick and Herb next to him both love the Lord and love to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm excited that that book is coming out. It's called The Evangelism Circle. Look for an opportunity. Furthermore, the gospel allows us to pass from death to life. Many people, especially as they've hit their teen years and 20s, experience that separation and that growing apart from the things of righteousness. They're walking in death. We give the message of righteousness and allow them to enter into that. And finally, He will deliver us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, 
who does what? Rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, all this comes as a gift. We are saved by grace. Through faith. Plus nothing. Now, please understand, I'm not saying... Trust Christ and then go live however you want. What I am saying is there's a difference between being justified by faith and being sanctified. To put it another way, we are saved by a one-time experience when we place our faith in Christ. Once that happens, God begins to work in our lives to produce good works. The fruit that comes when we trust Christ. Richard Spencer loved me enough to take time and share with me in college and to continue to pursue a relationship with me and continue to witness to me. And I came to faith maybe six weeks later. He invited me to Christian Youth Ranch, this one in Richardson, Texas, where a couple of our members attended. And there the people loved me, and they cared for me, and they extended Christian fellowship, friendship to me as a new Christian. Didn't know cheese from chalk, but they accepted me. They knew I didn't have a Bible, so they went out and they bought me my first study Bible. And then began to teach me from it. I appreciate so much of all the efforts that Richard and the others did. So, what made them do that? Love. Exactly. Love compels Christ followers to share the life-saving message of Christ. I think of Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was an advisor to the president, a counselor to the president. And then the Watergate scandal broke. And he was tried and convicted and sent to prison. How the mighty have fallen. While he was in prison, he began to grow in his faith. Kind of like Joseph in the book of Genesis. The other prisoner said, well, your release date is coming up. You'll probably never come back here again. He said, oh, no. I've been deeply moved by my friendships here. And I want to have an impact. I will come back. Did he come back? (laughs) Indeed, he did. He started an organization which grew. It's called Prison Fellowship. Um, It goes into the prisons. It shares the gospel. It wins people to Christ. It helps them to mature. And it has been shown to have one of the best success rates in reducing the return to prison by prisoners once they get out. It's had a deep impact on a great many lives. Love compelled him to do that. Consider the sacrifices that have been made through the years to get this message out. Uh, Last week I saw a video of a man in India, and he's outdoors, 
He's got his mask on these days of COVID. He's sharing the gospel. And a woman slapped him. What did Christ tell us to do? He didn't react in a wild way, but he just gently reached up, took his mask off, and she slapped him again. <laughs> he didn't stop preaching. She still slapped him. This was not a petite woman. <laughs> she was robust. Love compels us. Jesus told us about having eternal life. <laughs> he was persecuted, plotted against. They attempted to trick him, lie about him, and finally arrested him and tried him in an illegal trial which took place at night. They brought false witnesses. Jesus spoke little, but he spoke truth. Roman soldiers were pawns in this cosmic game of life and death. Jesus lovingly asked the Father to forgive them. God is love. I believe God the Father heard that prayer. I got the privilege of hearing the founder of Jews for Jesus speak at Florida Bible College. And I remember him sharing about a Jewish man who became a Christian. Now, Jews can be very vocal, and when they are not believers, they can be very vocal in opposition. But the same carries true very often when they come to faith in Christ. Sometimes they are the most ardent supporters of the gospel. And so was this man. Um, he told of this man um, being one to faith in California. And so he was in a large city in California. And you've heard of preaching on a soapbox? Well, he actually had a wooden box, you know, about 15 inches tall. And, and uh, he was at this crowded intersection. And when the light turned red, you know, people started kind of gathering. And he would step up on that box where they could see him and proclaim Christ. And of course, naturally, at times, he was heckled. But then one guy came up and sucker punched him. He went sprawling, fell on the concrete. He's kind of dazed, and one of the passers-by said, man, I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world. And he stood up, he wiped the blood from his mouth and said, yeah, neither would I. And then he got back up and started preaching again. Not for money, but love. Why? Why do this? Why endure hardship and rejection? Because God so loved. And he wants us to love too. It's loving to share Christ. 
It's loving to warn people of the condition they are in, separated from God. And if they die in this condition, they will remain separated throughout all eternity. All this when the price for entrance to heaven has already been paid by our loving Savior. It would be unloving not to tell. Often, people take offense to Christians sharing their faith and trying to persuade them to leave their belief system behind and trust in Jesus. But our motivation is love. If we really believe that hell is real and that all people are on the path to go there, apart from the provision found in Jesus alone, then it is unloving not to share the gospel and not evangelize. We would be morally bad people to believe in that and not tell people how to be delivered. So Christians are loving when they share the biblical message of Jesus. So let me ask you, who is someone you can share with? I'm going to ask you to think of a person or maybe two or three. If you have your bulletin, I encourage you to write their name or names down on that bulletin. If you don't have that, I hope maybe when you get home, you'll take a little sticky tab and write their name and put it somewhere where you will see it every day and be able to pray for them every day. Now, some will say, yes, I'm, I, I want to share with this person or I want to share the gospel, but I don't know how. Give you just a couple of tips today. Number one, begin by being a friend. You never want to share the gospel with somebody that's not your friend. But the thing is, it doesn't take a long time to become a friend, or at least an acquaintance. You know, I, I take my dog for a walk, and my dog is really friendly. <laughs> likes to meet people, likes to meet other people's dogs, and so I'm on the walk with, with Sydney. And, uh, and she'll stop, and I'll be face-to-face -face with this person. And so I'll ask him, I'll say to him first something like, if it is, I'll say, that's a beautiful dog you have. How long have you had it? And maybe they'll tell me, oh, it's a rescue. I got it a year ago. And we'll begin to talk. And I'll say, mine's a rescue too. And aren't they great dogs? And pretty soon we have built a rapport. Another way to make friends is maybe somebody in your neighborhood. Just drop some fruit by or maybe a pastry or something like that. Just do something simple that expresses friendship. However you do it, make a friend. In time, as you have an opportunity, I want to encourage you to ask this question. If you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd go? Or where would you spend eternity? That's a great way to open the door 
to that conversation about Christ. Next, I want to point out this. You know, many would say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, I don't either, (laughs) to be honest. But all of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4, 5. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. And what? Do the work of an evangelist. So, Paul has this friendship with this guy named Timothy, and he tells him to do the work of an evangelist. Timothy didn't have that gift, but he is encouraged to do the work nevertheless. And I would say the same for us. Dick, do the work of an evangelist. Herb, do the work of an evangelist. Carol, do the work of an evangelist. Look for opportunities. They're there. I think about it, I hadn't done evangelism in a while, and that's kind of embarrassing for a pastor to admit. And then God brings some people. Uh, One, you know, guy looking for assistance. And so I had the opportunity before giving him some assistance, asking him, hey, friend, do you know for sure you have a home in heaven? Do you know where you'd go when you die? And that opened the door for an honest, frank conversation. Another one, same day, <laughs> late in the day, sort of like God is putting this on my heart, and then he opens the door for opportunities. If you look out here, we've got this great big, huge hole. You could put a building in this hole over here that they're, they're digging, doing some work on our property. And the head of the construction was from uh, a town about two hours away, but He'd used some of our water, and so he handed me three $100 bills for the water. Wow. (laughs) And we began to talk about spiritual things. And he'd seen some of the movie The Chosen. And by seeing that, fantastic, wonderful depiction of Christ. And so we began to talk. And I said, you know, know, how does a person get to heaven? Well, by being good. We've got some things to talk about. (laughs) We should be prepared to share Christ because we love Christ. And we should be prepared to share because we love people. Two great reasons. What could be more loving than to share the truth with someone who needs to hear. Consider the benefits. I mean, we could stay here all day and into tomorrow to talk about the benefits of becoming a Christian. I'll give you just a couple. Number one, get them off the works treadmill. Most people in America, if they believe in God at all, they believe the way to be restored to a relationship with God is by doing good works, by living a good life. Let's help people get off the works treadmill of earning God's approval. Does it work? No, it doesn't. Do our works earn God's approval? They do not. So let's free people from the mistaken idea that that's true. They don't have to do a lifetime of good works to be accepted by God. 
Because God sent his son so we could be accepted. Second benefit. People lack hope. They lack hope how? Well, number one, they lack hope for life after death. They don't know what's coming, and for a lot of people, that's a fearful thing. Most of the time, they push it out of their minds. They want to forget about it because they don't know. But the gospel offers them assurance. In fact, tells them what happens after death. Tells them how to become a Christian. Tells them how to have a relationship with God and to be with Christ forever. It gives them hope. Number two, it gives them hope for the here and now because people are lacking that. Young people especially. Young people have great anxiety. There are many, many, an increasing number of young people who are in treatment centers. Some are outpatient, some are 24-7 in there, sometimes following a suicide attempt. And the gospel tells them that they can be forgiven. And if they trust Christ, they are forgiven. It tells them they can have a relationship with God. It tells them about a loving Heavenly Father. And that was important to me as a young person. It gives them hope to live this life here and now. So going forward... I want to encourage you to do a few simple things. Number one, pray. Pray for unsaved family members and friends. Number two, pray for ourselves. An example would be, Lord, help me be willing to share the gospel. Just as Paul prayed for boldness to share. He was intimidated at times. But he prayed for boldness to be willing to share. And third, have a humble attitude. Most of us don't want to cram the gospel down somebody's throat. But let's be careful to approach them in humility. We once were lost as well. Another suggestion. Use a common method that Jesus used. Ask questions. (laughs) I think this is especially relevant to today because a lot of people don't want to be told. But if you ask them questions, it begins to bridge the gap. Notice what Jesus did. Remember the woman at the well? Here's this woman. She's a Samaritan. We, We talk about race relations being difficult today. It was difficult Back then, he's traveling to the country just north of his own, and they've been having having it out for a long time. So he goes there, and he's, he's tired, so his disciples leave him at the well, and they go into town to get food. Along comes this woman, and she's preparing to draw water. What does he open up with? A question, yeah. Would you give me a drink? And she says, why do you ask me? And he transitions this way. He says, if you knew the gift of God 
and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Right about now, I think the wheels in her brain are just spinning. (laughs) And she peppers him with questions. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Finally, sir, give me this water. And on it went. And ultimately, she becomes a believer. True or false? We are to become more like Christ. What did Christ do? He shared the good news about how to have eternal life. One final thought. When someone does trust Christ, they are a newborn. What do you do with a newborn? Just leave them? No. You take care of them. You provide for them. You help them to what? Mature. To grow. And that's our opportunity too. We are to go and make disciples. So, final question. Is evangelism wrong? (laughs) The most loving thing we can do is to share Christ with someone in need. Pray with me. Lord, many young people believe evangelism is wrong. I hope we have seen that evangelism is, in fact, the loving thing to do. Help us to share Christ by loving people. When that is merely acts of kindness, let us do those with compassion. And when we can find an opportunity to begin a conversation about their eternal destiny, And what Christ has done for them, help us take that step in faith. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark.